Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good afternoon, Grace Avenue Church. How you doing? Third service on a Sunday morning. This is awesome. Surprise, I'm not Pastor Daniel. If you're visiting with us today, my name is Josh Engler, and I um, help manage creative projects around Grace Avenue Church, and I am uh, one of the resident brainstormers. And so we, uh, whatever needs to be brainstormed, I like to come around the table and help with that. Look at it from a hundred different angles and see uh, the best way to attack a plan and, and a program and a project. And so if you hang out with me for about two minutes, um, I might ask you to be a part of one of my teams. And so uh, that's it. Speaking of team, actually, I am so proud of our team this morning, rallying together and making worship happen. How about that? Ryan is, uh, is, is quite a worship leader there with a lot of faith and a lot of expectation and leading the charge in worship. It's powerful, powerful. So excited to see um, team members step up. Um, like yesterday afternoon at 4 p.m. when Pastor Daniel called me and said, hey, I'm stuck in Tennessee. Our flights got canceled. And so uh, like a, a WCW versus NWO match. Anybody play that video game back in the late 90s? You know, it's like the tag team option. You go tag another wrestler and you're in. He goes, you're in. Tag, you're in. And so uh, I got to start preparing my message for this morning. Uh, yes. Yesterday evening at about 7 p.m. And so we're, uh, God had a plan for today outside of our plans. And so I think we're going to have fun. There's really like, there's no expectations on on today, you know, because it's kind of like, wasn't supposed to be this way anyway. So... Uh, we're walking in, in heaven's time right now, you know, that God's in, God's in control of what's about to happen, uh, from this point forward. So buckle your seatbelt, um, pull your Bibles out, get your notepads ready, whatever you've got to do to prepare your heart for the moment. And we'll see what, what the Lord wants to speak through me to us this morning. And so we've been in a series called Table Talk for a couple of weeks. Pastor Daniel has taught us what it means to sit at the table, uh, which was week one. Week two, last Sunday, was setting a place for others. And next week, which was supposed to be this week, uh, is serving others with the gifts God has given us. And so that's the territory we're not going to venture in this morning because I'm not capping off the series. Uh, we get to inject like a little uh, Holy Spirit moment in between week two and week three that we had originally planned. And so I'm going to do a little bit of a recap on weeks one and week two really quickly because I think it's powerful for context for us this morning. So the Bible talks a lot about a table, and that's what Pastor Daniel opened up in week one, sitting at the table where Jesus is always inviting people to a table, you know, and Jesus is always going to somebody's table. Because we see that life happens around the table. We celebrate at a table. We grieve together at a table. We work things out in life and in our families around a table, or at least we used to now for a lot of families these days in the modern uh, generation that we live in. Uh, we work a lot of things out around the, the um, sofa or the, the couch in the living room. That's the word I was looking for. The couch in the living room. And uh, how many of you guys still, as a family, you sit and eat at the table together? for meals as a family. Yeah. 
okay, okay, that's decent. It's decent. But a couple years ago, it was, it was more. And so, like our parents' generation, it was all about the table. Everything happened around the table. And so, um, I think that's why the analogy is in the Bible so often is because it's so, it's so relevant. You know, it's relevant to us when God talks to us about a table that we can apply it to our lives because we instantly get it. It's not this idea that we have to really expound upon. So life happens at the table, and when we sit down with God, relationship and exchange with God happens at the table. Just like David said in the Bible, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Pastor Daniel was saying, why couldn't God just give me a bazooka so I can take out my enemies like that? But he builds, he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. But because sometimes our enemies are not people, our enemies are our feelings. Our enemies are the way that we see life. And so at the table, God will liberate us from false expectations of ourselves and of others. You guys having fun in connect groups already? Yeah. So some of this is a little bit of a recap, but that's okay. For those of you who haven't heard this message at all for the first time, this is powerful. Uh, So then he asked the question, he goes, what was it that kept Jesus going back to the table? There was a value. There was a reason why Jesus would break from ministry and go spend time with God. You know, we see that Jesus is on earth, God in the flesh, and he's here on a mission. And he has a short window of time in comparison of all of eternity that he, he could have just focused focused on the work. He could have just been about what he knew he was here on earth to do because he was with God in the very beginning. And so he's saying, I've got a short amount of time. I need to get this done. I should just keep healing people. I should just keep preaching in the synagogues. But he would break away from the busyness of his ministry to go and pray with God and spend time with God. There was something about that. So we'll break that down a little bit later. Jesus knew that man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that God speaks. Pastor Daniel said this to cap off week one. It was that God doesn't want us to be table visitors. He wants us to be table dwellers. That we live there because we're in the family. We're in God's family. Week two started out with um, learning to value things at the table, which were these. The uh, worship, learning to value worship, learning to value the word. Learning to value the wonder of God, sitting in awe and wonder of God and what that does to us, and the wisdom that we get from God. Worship, word, wonder, and wisdom. Kicked off week two with those. And then he said that Jesus taught us to pray this, give us this day our daily bread. And this is the part that blew my mind last week. Because I had never thought about the fact that Jesus was reminding us in the New Testament when he's teaching the disciples how to pray. He was reminding us about the, an Old Testament story where the children of Israel were walking out of slavery from Egypt to the promised land. And in that time between the, the Egypt and the promised land, God would give them manna from heaven daily. And the manna would go bad overnight. They could not eat yesterday's manna today because the manna would go bad overnight. And so they had to rely on God to give them fresh manna every day. And Jesus is telling us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. In the New Testament, he's reminding us of an Old Testament story saying, it's still true. You still need me every single day. The table is where we grow. This is where God develops us and shapes us and grows us. 
Jesus himself grew in wisdom and favor with God and with man. And so sitting at the table is this process where God is showing us the setting of our lives. He's helping us to see, if we think about the things that need to be set on the table and laid out on the table in order for us to serve others, he's showing us whether our setting is complete or not, or if we're missing elements of our setting. That um, the, there's enough dishware on the table, that there's enough and the right placement of the silverware in order to consume the, the gift that he's given to us. And so uh, Pastor Daniel said that there's a few things that we set the table for in order to give to others. And the first one is help, which is practical Getting into people's lives help, like somebody needs an alternator changed on their car. Well, we have the ability to go and help someone with that if you're mechanically inclined. If you're not, please don't help with that. Um, That will go bad, and then they will need more help beyond your help. So... Anyway, um, but if somebody has a a, a leak in their roof in their house, you know, um, someone in the church with skills can go and practically help. And and what they've done is they've been able to use the setting of their table to go and help somebody. So we're not talking about helping people right now. We're just talking about setting up. So um, help. And then the second word is hope. Hope and not hype because hope is eternal. Hope is long-lasting, and hype is temporal, and it's momentary, and it disappears quickly. It evaporates. Hype evaporates. Um, Then the third word is healing. And the reason we set our table to help people with healing is because, uh, Pastor Daniel highlighted, there are things in our lives that we like to suppress, that we like to keep really low, that we like to keep out of the light, that we hide under the table, that we don't want God to see, We don't want others to see, and we really don't want to talk about those things. There are things in all of our lives that we we need healing from, and and when our table is set, we have the ability to, to serve others healing. Then heaven, and his statement about heaven was this, that the world is waiting for Christians to stop playing church and get real about the hell that people are living in and bring heaven on earth. Which is another part of that prayer when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread. There's so much in that prayer. If you unlock it and kind of take it section by section. I I remember the first time I heard a message. Maybe that's what I should have preached today. Just kidding. Um, But I heard a message about the different sections of the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples how to pray and how much there's really um, packed into each small phrase and each small section of that prayer. So if you have time, there's some homework for you. Week three, this is where we're at right now. We're kind of in this intermediate zone of uh, week one and two and then finishing out this message. And so what I want to uh, highlight today is I am loving this series. I hope you're loving this series. I hope you're taking everything that you can from this series because I believe that God is showing to us and, and it's true in the conversations that I'm having with people right now that God is showing us and reminding us again that he is a real God and he is not afraid to get down into our mess. He is not afraid to get down into our problems. Look at your neighbor and tell him God is a real God and you're a real mess. <laughs> But it's so true, right? There are things, in a loving way, right? There are things in our lives that God wants to work out of us, and it can only happen right here. 
It can only happen at the table. And so I want to dig into that a little bit today. So start off with a story. Six years ago, my wife and I were facing two life-altering decisions. You know, sometimes we have small decisions in life. And sometimes we have big life-altering decisions that change the whole course of our life and our future. And so I experienced one of those six years ago in praying about a complete career change and a complete shift. And what seemed to be the culmination of my life's work up to that point felt God nudging me to lay that down and to turn a corner. And my wife and I were here at Grace Avenue seven years ago in the very beginning. And so through that year of helping to start the church, then a year into that, I felt God giving this nudge of like, I want you to lay down the band that you're a part of and start focusing on local church ministry. And the, the, our church, Grace Avenue, was pretty small back then. And so I was kind of thinking, God, I mean, there's no, there's no place for me, for me there other than like serving on a team and stuff. And I need to provide for my family. And what does this look like? Like I'm leaving this income stream. Like I'm really completely changing my life. And to give and to jump into ministry, that feels like a faith move. Maybe that's what you're calling me to. You know, sometimes what God calls us to is kind of outside of our own understanding and our own thoughts about the, about the process. And so uh, we had to spend, my wife and I had to spend time at the table with God praying about that moment. Then we enter a year of what I like to call and, and and, and someone with wisdom spoke into my life at this time and said that there are hallways in our lives. There's hallways between one season and one door that's closed before you move into the next season and the next door that opens what God has for you in the next season. And I like to think about it kind of like a hallway of, of mirrors and question marks. You know, it's a little bit uh, disorienting, you know, like at a, kind of at a carnival where there's like warped mirrors and stuff. And uh, you, you really sort of uh, realistically kind of have that view about yourself. Like I went through an identity uh, issue like an identity crisis in that hallway for a whole year between what God had taken me out of and what he was moving me into next and uh, my wife was working full-time at that time and and I was kind of bouncing around to some different jobs and, and wondering um, just a lot of things wondering a lot of things and um, then we were presented with an opportunity to go a thousand miles away and move our family away to be a part of a church and have it in a worship pastor um, experience. Uh, and we had to, had to then sit down at the table again and pray about that opportunity because that was, it's actually a thousand and eight point seven miles. I mapped it out last night and it's supposed to take 14 and a half hours to get there, but it always takes 17 because of stops and stuff. And um, anyway, a little trivia for you there. So move to, but to pick up my family, move a thousand miles away to uproot from our support system, from the church that we had been a part of, to go to a completely new area, a completely new church, and, and uh, to see what God would do there. But that was what he had spoken to me a year prior, that I want you to take this turn, make this decision, step out of this season, and, and, and invest your life into the local church. And so I've been seeing a glimpse now, right? I'm seeing a glimpse of these two things um, coming together. But my wife and I, so we, we realized we need a, a table moment with God. And so we book a weekend away northwest of Austin and at a place called Canyon of the Eagles. Sounds pretty epic, right? Canyon of the Eagles. And our prayer was, God teaches to fly. And so we would stand on the edge of the cliff every morning. No, I'm just kidding. 
Um, what we did do is we shut our phones off. What we did do is we shut our phones off and we prayed a lot uh, that weekend and prayed together and prayed separately and just asked God for an answer. We said, Lord, we want to come away from this weekend with a decision. And my pastor at the time, um, Pastor Daniel, was telling me um, to not be a man of indecision, but to make a decision. And so that's what we did. We prayed uh, through that weekend and made a decision and chose to, we went, we went to Indiana. We spent two years up there. And what I can say about a season in life is that, um, God will put you in uncomfortable situations to, to grow you and, um, to prove you and to shape you and to mold you. And if we knew what God had for us, Five to ten years from now, if we, if we actually knew what God had for us, it would crush us. If we knew what God wanted our lives to uh, operate in and the capacity that he wants us to be able to operate in, in five to ten years from now, we wouldn't be able to contain it right now. Because it's a journey and it's a process. The table is a process of God reshaping us, remolding us. Um, giving us and enlarging us um, with our capacity. But often we spend this, this year um, in the hallway doing something that I call, um, I like to define whining versus crying. I'm talking to my son about this a lot these days. Um, and there's a different definition uh, for crying and for whining. Crying is a plea for help, right? Crying is, is a reach out. Crying is a prayer. Whining is just complaining that we're uncomfortable, right? I don't like it. <laughs> you, you want me to go through with this, but I don't like it. I, I wish it was different. You know, you, I want it to look, I want it to look different than what you're doing. Like we, we try to analyze God's process for how he, how he grows us. <laughs> you know, we try to analyze, we try to tweak. Lord, if you just changed me a little bit differently, then it would be better. It'd be better. It would definitely be more comfortable for me. You know, if you, if you changed me the way I wanted you to change me, it would, it would end up better. Promise. I promise. Um, Lord, I just know if you went with my ideas instead of your ideas, things would, things would work out a whole lot better. But that's it, not the way that it works, right? God will make us uncomfortable to, make, to build in us the potential that he needs for our lives to operate in and to function in. You know, sometimes... I heard this said in a message last year at a conference. Sometimes it's better actually to pull a weed out of your life than it is to try to plant a new flower. A flower representing some new idea about God, some, some new revelation. It's better to pull a weed out of the garden of your life and let God do some weeding out of your life to get back to more clarity about what he's already planted in there before you try to just start throwing a bunch of new life into a weed-filled garden, you know. Uh, so spend some time pulling some weeds out you'll see what he's already done and then then you'll get a vision for what's next for what grows for what needs to grow in your life pull some weeds so how are we walking this out in our life what does this look like for you guys and I want to help us identify I think a roadblock that we hit like a speed bump that we we get trapped on sometimes in life that the table is actually a place and I used to think this a few years ago. This was before I was married. I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, 
hours and hours a day just to blow and just waste on myself and my frivolous desires. Now I have kids. And so life looks a lot different. But so I had a little two-door hatchback, five-speed Acura Integra, four-cylinder. It wasn't the VTEC version, but that's okay. Um, it didn't have the rear spoiler on it. Uh, that's okay. Um, I would go, there's a cross at a church out front of, of a church in between San Antonio and Bernie. And this was when I thought Bernie was so far away. You know, I just felt like it was, it was the other side of the earth. And now it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure this year it's going to get annexed into San Antonio. Um, but there's a cross out there in front of a church. And so I would drive my little car and I would go and I would park under the cross. And that was my place. You know, that was my place that I prayed. That was where I felt like I connected with Jesus the best. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? I, I, that's where I connect with Jesus the best. And I, I kind of got hung up on the fact that I had to go there in order for me to be able to spend time with Jesus like at the table. In order for, to have some table time with God. That, that was my spot. That was my place. That is the image, however, that I want you guys to think about when you think about me. Is me like parked under a cross. Because <laughs> that's pretty spiritual. And so I'm good with that. Um, but Jesus is, is actually debunking that idea for us when he has a conversation with a woman at a well one day. And he says, there is an hour coming and a time coming when you will not worship the Father here or there, but you will worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus, again, comes into our minds and flips the table over and shows us something completely different. No, it's different than the way you think. No, I... I see this differently than the way that you think. It's not about a place. You don't have to have your, um, your coffee temperature just right. You don't have to have your record player spinning just right. You don't have to have the perfect candle burning. And the kids are all asleep, taking a nap or whatever. Um, I don't know why I just went into like mom mode like during the middle of the day. <laughs> all the laundry's folded, whatever. Like whatever your, whatever your zone is, whatever your lifestyle is. For a, for a guy, sometimes it's like the drive to work. You know, you're praying for a traffic jam because you want more time with Jesus, right? No. Um, but it doesn't have to be a place. The table is not a place. The table is a person. The table is, is sitting with God, having an intentional conversation with God and not getting hung up on a place. Jesus prayed here and there and everywhere. He was, he was in a garden and then he broke away to go up on a mountaintop and then... Um, he showed his godness in the midst of a storm um, to the disciples in the boat. And Jesus was with the God. So the, the reason why Jesus was okay with breaking from his busyness and from uh, his ministry to go spend time with God is because he actually never really left. He never really got up from the table. So it was easy for him to go and break away from the noise and the busyness to go and sit down at the table and to encourage you with this idea is that we can become like a car stuck in first gear when we think it's all about activity. It's all about getting something done. It's all about the more we work, the harder we work, the more we hustle, uh, the more we can accomplish. But God's saying, actually, if you come and you spend time with me, I'll teach you how to shift. I'll teach you how to shift your mindsets. I'll teach you how to actually get down the road a lot faster and a lot further because I'm going to clarify a lot of things for you. So when we sit at the table, God actually teaches us how to shift. We're not like all revved up but only going 10 miles an hour, you know. He 
teaches us how to shift our mindsets and how to move forward. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 19. He says, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. I believe that the reason why some of us have father issues is because we've been looking for identity and validation from the wrong father. We've been looking for identity and validation from a father that can't give us what we need. And I don't know your specific story, and I'm not discounting your pain, but I believe that a man can't give what a man doesn't have unless it has first been given by God. So if we're looking for identity and validation from our father, but he didn't get it from his father, then he won't be able to give it to us. And so we have to find identity and validation at the table. And that's what God does at the table is he works identity into us. There's a slide for that. Identity. So it's the condition or character. God is reminding us over and over again who we are, what we should believe, the way that we should see world, what distinguishes us, what makes us unique. Only God can show us what makes us unique because we like to compare ourselves to everyone else's journey. And we like to think that if I'm not doing what they're doing, that I'm not, uh, I'm not successful. Like the way that we view someone else's journey in life, we compare ourselves to what they have accomplished. And if I don't accomplish this by 30 or 30, or 45. I don't start a new business and have a million dollars in the bank by 45 years old, then I'm a failure. But we're identifying and we are um, clarifying our journey compared to someone else's. And we're all unique. And God has something specifically for us. And we can't actually work out what he has specifically called us to do until we know specifically who we are in him and how he's called us to operate. You know, I used to think that preaching... You get up on stage and you yell and you spit a lot (laughs) until I realized God had something different for me, you know? But you know what? Five years ago, if if Pastor Daniel would have called me five years ago and at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and said, hey, my flight's canceled, tag your it, I I don't even know what I would do. I would have freaked out. I, I... when I was in my band, the music was always good, right? We would do concerts. The shows were great. And, but um, I never, I'd never preached a message before. I did a devotional for, for some teens, and uh, the concert was fun. And then I preached, and I thought, man, if I can just tell them about the love of God, if I just center everything about how amazing God's love is, then they'll be world changers, you know? Um, and that sounds great right now because I've gotten better at delivering something. But um, I, that's all I did. All I did was all I talked about was God's love, and it didn't, uh, it didn't make the impact I thought it was going to, and I realized I have some work to do, and God has some work to do in me, and so um, five years down the road, now I can go, sure, we'll do that. I'm excited. I think the church is going to have fun tomorrow. I'm going to call another worship leader and tell him he's leading the song that I was supposed to lead and have someone else do the part of the rally that I was supposed to do. And then I'll have someone else open the building and all of that stuff. So, yeah, thank God for team because I was supposed to do about four or five other things this morning. 
So we're wearing ourselves out trying to get down the road, stuck in second gear, but God helps us to not get bogged down by the things that used to keep us stuck in our lives. Sitting at the table with God is about learning and growing and allowing God to show us whether all the pieces are put together right, that our table is set and prepared well to be able to learn what we're going to learn next week. Um, Pastor Daniel's coming back. I'm excited to wrap that he's going to wrap up this message. I was really excited about this series whenever he brought it to the table, to the creative meeting, and just said, I think we need to learn how to sit with God. I think we need to learn how to spend time with God. I think we need to learn how to see if our lives are, are set and ready to give to other people. Because sometimes we get we get saved, we get set on fire, we get that, this kind of idea that God has a purpose for us, and then we just try to run straight into helping other people, and we can create a mess. We're spilling soup all over the table of people's lives because there isn't anything to contain it. You know, we're trying to pour out what we feel like God has given us, but, but we haven't actually prepared yet. We haven't actually put the things in place yet that's going to make sense because God wants to give people tangible, practical takeaways for their life. And if we just start blasting them with scripture that is not practical, that doesn't help them actually walk it out in their lives, what good is it doing? It's making a mess of their table. It's, it's actually creating chaos instead of helping to calm the chaos and bring peace in the midst of a situation. We've got we've to watch blanket statements that we use in people's lives to, to just try to comfort them in the moment without a reality of, have I walked this out already? Have I already seen God work and put these pieces together the way that they're supposed to go together? Praise God. That's awesome. That was not in first or second service or last night when I was putting my notes together. That was for you. So thank you, Jesus. I want to read these passages uh, for you as we close up this morning. And I didn't um, put them on slides because I, I built my own slides last night. And so that's why we only had two. So um, just listen well and um, let's let God speak to us. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 14. My favorite verses in here. See if you can pick it out. Verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart Keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life, tranquility and prosperity they will add to you. Do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you, but bind them securely around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in, rely confidently on the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be health to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject or take lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor despise his rebuke. For those whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding and insight. For wisdom's profit is better than the profit of silver. And her gain is better than fine gold. This is what God imparts to us and we partake of at the table. I honestly can't remember if I've said this in this service or not. But 
when we sit at the table, what's the reason we come to the table in the first place? Because we have a need. Because we're hungry. Because we need to consume something. Because there's something that will sustain us and carry us forward at the table that we don't get anywhere else. And we have to sit at the right table where the cross, grace, is always a part of the conversation with God. This is what makes a conversation with God possible. It's the cross. It's Jesus' work in our lives that makes it possible for us to sit at the table with God. And the things that we like to hide and sweep under the table and and put aside that we think are hidden that nobody can see. God actually wants to show us when he brings us to the table that the things that we thought were hidden were actually forgiven because they're under the cross. So don't be afraid. God is a real God and he wants to get down inside of a real mess and come into our lives and clarify for us our identity who we are, and what he has for us. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? And we're going to pray. We're going to pray a prayer together. It sounds like a prayer of salvation. But even for a believer who's been in the church for years, it's a reminder that we need daily bread. It's a reminder that we need the cross more now than we did before. And that God has something fresh for us with each new day, with each new sunrise. That he has, he has a greater capacity. The great thing about sitting at the table with God is it's not the same conversation every time. You're, you're building upon what he's already imparted into you. So you're growing. So the reason we need to keep going back to the table is because a new adventure awaits. A new opportunity awaits. A new season awaits. A new capacity awaits us. We understand more about what God has for us every time we sit at the table. It's growth. It's healing. It's our own hope. It's our own identity. So if you would, pray with me. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.